0: All right, welcome aboard, everybody. This is Justin Rutkowski, your host of the Out of the Rut podcast. It's been a minute. It's good to it's I'm glad to see that you are tuning in um, during our little six month hiatus of recording episodes. Uh, just wanted to give you a little update of what we've been up to. Uh, most recently uh, have brought Michelle Clear on to the network. Uh, we've been recording episodes on her channel for about a year now. And I wanted to take a second and introduce Michelle to the show. So tell tell, tell us about yourself.
1: Hi, Justin. Um, what do you want to know? I am a mental health therapist. I have been now for about 12 years. I'm new to the Grand Rapids area, so I'm making this my home. And I, I love all things crazy. So that's kind of what Shellyville was designed from, right? It was the story of my life. My crazy little life and why I love the career I have and why I'm here trying to help people.
0: So we're cross-pollinating a little bit yes, with this are. episode. So if you stay tuned in, you're going to hear uh, one of the episodes that we have in the Shellyville podcast, which you can find on Spotify, Apple, and just about anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Um, I want you to take a listen to it. If you enjoy it, please click the link down below and subscribe to Shelleyville's channel as well. Um, she is the newest and honestly most favorite member of the Rutkowski Podcast Network. Uh, again, when uh, producer, Joe, and I set out to do this three years ago, uh, there was never uh, there was never meant to be one. Um, the, the whole idea that we had was not only to do our own podcast, uh, but to bring others along with us. And Shelly is our first and favorite uh, iteration. <laughs> you
1: of that. can say that in a couple of years, I hope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Shellyville. My name is Michelle Clear and I am your host. I have my wonderful producer with me tonight, Justin. How
0: y'all doing?
1: <laughs> we're just going to bring it in that way, are yes, we? Yes, we are. All right. Well, Shellyville was created out of the crazy that is my mind, right? And all the things that I love about being a licensed professional counselor. So today we're going to talk about something that I actually don't have clinical experience with, Okay. As a therapist, we get to decide what kind of specialties we want to be in. And I've always taken the mental health, bipolar, mood, anxiety, depression kind of route. So addictions have never been my strong suit. I've never been really interested in it. I've kind of avoided it. I think as a family of Italians, I just didn't want to go down that road because alcohol, like it's part of our life. I mean, we drink wine. We we celebrate through food and alcohol and and having brothers that really struggled with that, having a twin brother that really struggled with addictions as a young kid. I didn't want to, I just it I just knew going through therapy in that way would be too hard for me mentally. So I've always avoided it. But you've mentioned it many times asking me to do this topic. You're like, come on, let's talk about addictions. And I'm like, well you know I don't do it. <laughs> this is not my specialty. So today we're just gonna dive in and talk about addictions and why it's such a big problem in the United States. Because this is one of the biggest cost. I think this is one of the biggest medical costs that we have out there. There's so many legal issues that happen with addictions. There's so many problems that are related to it, and maybe it's just become such a coping mechanism for people, and that it's really created almost three or four different. Problems. So, what do you know about addictions, Justin?
0: Uh, not much. Okay. Um, I know that it's it's so hard to delineate between the the, the what uh, what causes it. Right. right. Is oh, it sure. caused by um? Is it habit driven or is it substance driven? So, what if it's both? And it may be both in some in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. So. Um, nicotine is probably the easiest example to point to. Nicotine's an addictive substance. It's been proven to be an addictive substance. Um, that there's not really a lot of debate about that in the the medical community. Right. That's pretty well known. Um, on the flip side, there's you know maybe a close comparison would be uh, marijuana.
1: Right. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because while I was doing research, because I always have to do my research before a show, it kept saying, this is debate. This is under debate. This is under debate. They don't have enough clinical research on marijuana because it's been illegal for so long Mm -hmm. that they haven't even been able to test it. They don't have enough tests on it. yeah. So they can't even say that it causes anxiety or they can't even say it causes depression or that it's an addictive substance. It's cracking me up. I was going through the whole book of all these things. (laughs) they're like, nope, under debate, under debate. So they kind of refuse to put marijuana in that category, which I think is hilarious because it is a problem. It does cause intoxication. It does cause withdrawal. It Uh does cause financial issues. We know there's a lot of people in jail because they sold a joint. Like it's a financial legal issue in America. But I mean, for us states that have now made it legal, It still has some illegal components with it. Right. So it's like you can't drive and smoke. You can't, you know, operate machinery while you're high. Mm -hmm. You still get tested. You know, you still can't. There's a lot of jobs that will not hire you if you are daily smoker. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's like, mm, it's, it's still got some negative consequences. Yeah. Definitely got a lot of negative consequences. And to me, I think that question about. Is it the substance that causes the addiction, or is it the daily habit? And an addiction is anything that takes over your life so that you can't proper so you can't properly function so that you're either thinking about that substance or you're wanting to do that, or that thing that you are addicted to becomes bigger than the life you're living. So it doesn't matter because I mean, there are several addictions. We've got gambling, video games, internet. Sexual, food, social media, uh, pornography, shopping, that's not even including all the drug ones. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, look at all of those different addictions we have out there that are interfering and causing trouble in relationships.
0: Absolutely. And I think marijuana probably needs to be put in the category of alcohol for now because it's, you know, alcoholism is a, you know, it's a very real, well-known disease, addiction, whatever you want to call it um you know it that's very well known and i think you know as ma- marijuana is changing in most people's eyes from a you know a schedule 1 narcotic or whatever you want to call it they're putting it in the class of you know heroin cocaine methamphetamine like in and moving it more into the class of alcohol where it probably belongs
2: mm-hmm. there
0: are some distinct differences in that um you know, there are distinct differences between marijuana and heroin,
2: obviously. Uh,
1: I mean, I was just looking right. at the amphetamines and all the stimulants and how much trouble the doctors are getting. Like we did our episode that we'll be airing pretty soon about um, attention deficit and and those medications. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Things that used to be just no big deal are now really causing a lot of problem. I mean, you're about to open a caffeine. The irony of this, as I
0: (laughs) crack open an energy drink,
1: and caffeine is considered an addictive quality (laughs) as addictive. You bet your ass it is.
0: You don't want to see me after a day of not having caffeine. <laughs> but I'm a caffeine
1: drunk. stimulates your brain and helps you function. Mm-hmm. The difference between some of these addictive problems is that these interfere with the quality of life.
0: Or inversely, the absence of it interferes well, yeah, with the quality of life. yeah, because they have withdrawal
1: bedra- right. and the going to look for it, I've got to go get it, i got to get my next, you know, that's where the cheating, the lying, and the stealing comes from mm-hmm. because now you got to find all this alternative route if you don't have the money to pay for your addictions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, it just causes so many other behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I've never wanted to get involved in it because it's just so complicated.
0: Right. Now, I have a question for you. If cool. Let's say, and in- and i have an answer to this question as well but i'm curious to get your take on it oh i um, love it how do you delineate between let's say i have something that could have possibly become a habit that i enjoy doing but somebody from the outside might see that as addiction i see it as i i don't see it as that how do you determine whether or not this is actually an addiction or maybe this is just a a habit that i've created that is not Uh, that doesn't have addictive qualities to it.
1: Okay. So the difference is if you can do that habit in a way that doesn't interfere, cause pain, or makes anyone in your life feel that they're being ignored, rejected, or hurt because of it. If you are literally having a habit of I go to work out for an hour, that's my habit. It's become an addiction. I can't really function during the week without it then how is that really a problem? What What's interesting about addictions is that they start to interfere with the quality of relationships. So remember, we're looking at other people's opinions. How does your family feel about this habit you have? Like if that interferes and your family's mad at you about it or they think that you're doing it too much or they don't like that you're not giving them time, that thing takes you away from other people's relationships and time but what if they're wrong well what if they are you're married to them (laughs) (laughs) like that's your family Mm -hmm. you know i think sometimes that can be jealousy right i i my ex husband i always was jealous when he would do ballooning because he loved to go ballooning and it was one of the things Mm -hmm. that i couldn't do and i was jealous of the time that he would spend away from the family and the kids going to do something that he really loved that was an addiction of his. That was a hobby that he enjoyed.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Being jealous or being being not happy with what someone else is doing—that again is an opinion. Uh-huh. But that was not an addictive behavior. Uh-huh. So I think it. I think you just really like you nailed it. If that's if you're not doing an addictive ha- habit and it really is a hobby that you enjoy and brings you joy, your family might be jealous of it but they don't see it as being destructive. Mm -hmm. Most people worry about addictions because they know it is causing some kind of damage. Like these are not healthy things. (laughs) These activities start out innocent. Video games start out innocent. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, that is all you are doing.
2: Yeah,
1: It's taking away the quality of the rest of your life.
0: So my example for this was, for me with drinking and mm-hmm. I I like drinking I like having a beer every now and again and I I like bourbon I like having a glass of whiskey and so there 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 was a point of time over the winter it, you know Michigan winters there's not a lot to do <laughs> so you know after a day at work you're you're at home and mm-hmm you know, it was, it got to the point where it was pretty common for me to have a beer or two, one with dinner, one, you know, as I was doing stuff around the house in the evening,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, to the point where clothes like you've been drinking pretty consistently and not, not like hard, but consistently like mm-hmm. uh, having a beer a day and string. And, you know, if you've got it in the house you, and you're not paying attention, you string together two, three weeks. Wow. I've had a beer or two a day for the last 3 weeks. That's kind of but it never really seemed like a problem. So for me to put it to bed was like, okay, I'm going to go I'm going to do a Catholic lent. I'm not going to eat meat on Fridays and I'm not going to drink any alcohol. And I went 40 days. It Did plus. you have
1: a, any withdrawal symptoms? Did you No, notice? I felt I felt better. Okay. And
0: after that 40-day period of time, it was just like, you know, I didn't feel a need to have beer anymore. And I mm-hmm. probably have in a month's fan- span of time, I maybe have three to five alcoholic drinks mm-hmm. to at, at this point in time. Um so I think that it put to rest for my wife, but then also for me, like this isn't an addiction problem. That was right. just a, a something it's that a I enjoyed doing. It became it a, bad a habit, habit and it and it got a little too consistent for a period of time.
1: And that is the definition of the addiction. That That is part of one of the symptoms that we look at. How long do you do it? Do you need to drink more often? Do, have you increased the amount to get the same buzz? Are you blacking out? Like, here's the reality. That all sounds perfect. And someone who doesn't have an addictive personality, that can continue for a long time. But over time, alcohol does damage. It is a depressant. It does mm. Cause negative effects. And so it's kind of looking at, okay, maybe in that scenario wasn't that big of a deal, right? Someone else would have a problem with that. Someone else would start saying, well, you know what? Two beers aren't enough. I need that third one. Or maybe I need, you know, more and more. So I think the addictive part comes into this drive that I need more of that. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it addictive. And then I mean, your wife did notice. Yeah. Okay. Your wife noticed. Well, that's an interference in the relationship Mm -hmm. because then it's like, okay, you rather drink than be focused over here. Or you're doing that as an extension of not paying attention over here. So it just depends on what you're doing with the addiction, you know? But I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are maintaining a lifestyle with having a couple drinks here and there. Mm -hmm. The problem is when it interferes with the quality of your life then you've transferred it. It's when you think about that beer. Let's say you're at your desk at noon and you can't wait to go home and have a beer. Mm -hmm. That beer has now interfered with the quality of your life. Interesting. So it's when you start to think about the thing that you're addicted to in other places at other times when it interferes with the quality of your thinking. And it's like so subtle. I just tell my kids, you never know what drink's gonna make you an alcoholic. You never know. You don't start out thinking this is gonna happen. Mm -hmm. It is so subtle and is so quick. And it just becomes this one thought, this one drink, this one more time. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like when I was growing up, my sisters were partiers like every weekend, like every weekend. Every well, they're weekend partiers. Okay. Well, that's that's a pattern, right? Is that a destructive pattern? Well, probably sometimes it was, but sometimes it was a fun activity. It just depends on how that. Activity interferes with the quality of your life. Interesting.
0: So I have, I, there's a, there's a movie quote that really stands out to me kind of in line with this. Have you seen the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall?
1: No, I think you asked me last time. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet.
0: Okay. So Forgetting Sarah Marshall, it, Russell Brand is the, is one of the, the lead characters in this movie, but he, he plays a, a rock star, just your classic, you know, told me traveling rock star, all that stuff. There's a sequel to that movie called Get Him to the Greek, where um one of the characters is basically tasked with getting him from London to Los Angeles in one piece to do this this uh farewell tour show or whatever, and it's a big deal. And um Russell Brand's character, I can't I can't remember his name, but he is a recovering um, addict of some sort, and he's mm-hmm. very bold and brazen about I've been seven years sober this that and the other but his behavior is out of control he's just right you know that's he's,
1: called a dry drunk
0: yeah okay so he um, and part of the the sequel is that he's trying to win his ex-wife back
1: mm-hmm. but and, she doesn't trust him
0: and she doesn't trust him but then the one of the um, one of the the biggest lines in that movie that I in it and it sticks with me he told it to he's he's arguing his case to her like you know bringing out I've been sober for seven years Mm -hmm. and then she's like yes and then you and then you replace that with doing yoga six hours a day you can turn anything into heroin
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and I was like wow that is a that is a powerful thing because you can have like yoga doing yoga that's great it's good for your body it's good for your mind but if you're doing so in a way that it that it Interferes with those relationships, then Mm -hmm. it can be a problem,
1: right? And and that's just it. How can food become an addiction when we all eat it every day, right? Right. How can how can you know social media be a problem when that's how I get my information? Mm -hmm. How can any of these things that start out so innocently become a problem? It's because they consume your time, your thoughts, your energy, and And, that's it.
0: And now I'll take it a step further. And it becomes part of your identity, yes, so for instance, in you know, on the food uh token or in in that category, um let's take somebody who is who is a vegan, right? okay how do you know if somebody is a vegan <laughs>
1: because they open, they tell you because they
0: open their mouth <laughs> and words come out because they're not shy about the fact but I gotta tell you in that culture, <laughs> it's very like. You believe in that so much. It's not just something that you do. It's part of who you are. Right. Because there's
1: cruelty against animals and there's all the other things that go with it. There's you have a you have a philosophy and a mindset behind that thought pattern. Yeah. Well, you can have that with anything else, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. Well, so my uh, my father-in-law is a um, he's a retired doctor. Okay, And he is very much, he's much more of a holistic minded doctor than your traditional run of the mill MD. Mm-hmm. And he, we were having a conversation about food and he's like, you know, it's interesting. Animals, their, their defense mechanisms are their ability to either run or fight. Plants defense mechanisms are poison. Mm-hmm. So he said in a lot of ways, it's actually better for you to eat animal meat than it is for you to eat plants because, you know, depending on the nature of the plant that it was harvested, um, those nutrients that you get could possibly, and I'm paraphrasing this and I think I'm saying it wrong, but for all intents and purposes, he's like, if, if plants are only a part of, if you're only part of your diet is plants, there's a good chance that it's going to have an adverse effect on your health because of that.
1: Cause you need a variety. Right. You need a variety. Plus, we're not, not
0: herbivores. Well,
1: and and here's the thing: we don't even have a good food supply anymore. I mean, I, we're, our food supply is continuously loaded with crap and chemicals right. and and artificial everything. Right. Just because it's got to be pretty, because you know, gosh forbid, we have a bruise on our mm-hmm. apples. I mean, we're we're so we're so into pretty food, but the reality is that anything that we do in an excessive amount, whether it's it just takes over our thinking. Mm-hmm. That's what addiction is when it takes over your thinking. Okay. Now, then your behaviors.
0: Now, moving on, let's say somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, you guys have done a really good job of identifying the problem. Let's say there's something in my life, maybe it's substance related, maybe it's not, but I'm noticing that it's affecting my relationships.
1: Talk to somebody.
0: That's how you, that's the step one.
1: The first, well, okay. In any mental health capacity, you have to be aware. So step one is awareness.
0: Realizing there's a problem.
1: Absolutely. And naming it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think this is a problem. Naming your problems. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is having the desire to change. Because just because you've noticed it, (laughs) I'm cool. I don't have to do anything. I mean, I might be pissing off my family, but I'm cool. I don't have a problem. You know, I'm all right. Number step two is, okay, I I notice it. My family's not happy with me. Am I willing to change and address that something needs to be different? If you can't get to that third step with yourself, then it's kind of like it's a waste of time. Mm. It's kind of why I'm, I'm not, I mean, I do get behind um, Alcoholics Anonymous and all that stuff, AA and everything, because I do think you need to get go through the steps of awareness and, and amends and all the things that are involved. But the reality is with anything, if you're not willing to step up and say, I'm tired of this, this needs to change, then all you're doing is complaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay for a while. But just like anything else, people get sick of people that complain all the time. If you don't really move, and I think that's why addictions is one of the hardest things to get over in a marriage or when we're struggling with people in relationships, because there's always this level of, I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. You're going to go back to that. There's no way you're really sober. There's no way that this is going to last. And I think that's just our self doubts because we ourselves have gone back and, changed our mind and redirected. And, you know, we're like, yeah, it can't be perfect. But so we think that same in other people. But the reality is that someone makes the decision they don't want something anymore. That's how strong the brain is. Brain will be like, okay, we're done with that. Moving next. I do notice, though, most addictions will transfer from addiction to another addiction. So you'll go from smoking to overeating to overeating to exercising too much to like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you're trying to always replace the addiction with something healthier, Mm -hmm. but it's unrealistic to think that you're still not going to have addictive behaviors Mm -hmm. because there's something about repetitiveness and there's something about that addictive need and feeding the power and feeding the high. And like, that's really a strong thing. Mm -hmm. So, again, you got to recognize it. But you gotta be willing to face it. You gotta be willing to say there are negative consequences with my behavior. Am I willing to either lose relationships, walk away from toxic people? Am I willing to put up boundaries and say enough is enough? Like, I mean, there's just so much damage that's done through addictions to other people. Um, and that's probably why I won't deal with it because I kind of I'm I'm a hardcore person. <laughs> I am really tough and I grew up with a brother that was constantly abusive towards me. I mean, considerable amount of abuse towards me. And I can't be around him as an adult. I can't hear a phone call from him. I don't have any spot in me that can allow him back into my life. And so I really struggle with people who continue the codependent behavior because that does nothing for you. You're just allowing yourself to suffer. And I, I don't have time for that. I don't need to suffer from someone else's behavior. So you have to be really strong and say, I need to walk away from this. Maybe that's why I've never done. <laughs> I love this. I swear Shellyville has become my therapy sessions. Thanks, Justin.
0: Where do you draw that strength from?
1: I don't know. Maybe God. Maybe my strong belief in God and my faith um, having really strong parents uh, but I just know i'm not meant to suffer God Jesus did that for me no. I don't have to so i really i don't i don't honestly know if that's the right answer, but that's the answer i'm going to go with today that's a good answer thank you thank you that's true I mean the reality is that I do believe in Jesus I do believe that he suffered for me. Why should I continue to suffer? I will always be a sinner. I will always make mistakes, but I don't have to purposely put myself in situations that are going to continuously hurt me. And my twin brother has done enough to me that I don't have to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to at some point say, I wish you well. I wish you peace. I wish you good thoughts, but I wish you goodbye. Like it's better for me as a human being to just be myself on this planet and know that he exists. And then I wish him well and want him to be a healthy, normal person. But my brother had addictions his whole life. Uh-huh. And it was either alcohol or marijuana or drugs or sex or violence, whatever it was. He has that addictive behavior. And you can only live with that for so long. Uh-huh. It just really becomes so toxic and so unhealthy. So, I mean, yes, people can recover, people can get better, people can have new and healthy relationships, or they can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's either going to go really well or it's going to go really bad. <laughs> yeah, with
0: with trying to, you know, dealing with people in relationships, sometimes you, you can't push a rope,
2: Mm-mm.
0: you know, so... In situations like that it it seems as if you get to a point where there there's you know it's gone beyond the point of no return
1: mm-hmm. now, but there's interventions no, no, no. i mean, and the thing is we live in a world full of great therapies out there and right. great people that can recover I mean, I love a good recovery story. Mm-hmm. I love to see someone who has worked hard on themselves to get to a place where they don't need that substance anymore. And they want to repair relationships and they want to get better. I mean, my brother has, over the times, he's apologized or whatever, but apologies don't help if behaviors don't change. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not in a situation to see whether or not those behaviors have changed. Mm -hmm. And that's just... Between me and my twin brother. I'm just saying that that that's my personal story and where Mm -hmm. I draw the line. Other people might not have that strong line. I mean, think of it this way. I have several siblings. I have another sister that cannot stand the way I think. She Mm -hmm. gets so mad at me because she thinks I'm being not nice. And she thinks I'm just like, that's not the way. You're not Christian. You're not being kind. Like, let him into your life. No, you let him into your life. Mm-hmm. That works for you. It doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I can't be that person. I think that's what's amazing in a huge family is that there are other people when I can't step up and do something. I know my siblings can. Mm-hmm. I have a couple siblings that help him and are still involved in his life and still care. They I mean I still care about him. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I don't, but I can't open that door. Right. But I have other siblings I know that take care of him. Mm-hmm. Which is very nice, and I love them deeply for that. But mm-hmm. they all know, don't ask me. Like you know, yeah. they tell me about it, and they're like, "Yes, you know." They tell me about it, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They have never asked for my help because they know my answer would be no. Right. So
0: the so, and I'm not speaking directly to your situation, but in in a sense where let's say you are the offender mm-hmm. in this two part equation, sure, um, and you have taken upon yourself to, um, uh, to to change, and you believe you have, mm-hmm. but some of those bridges have, you know, are still broken. And, and you
1: know what's really cool about that is that you build other bridges with other people, right? That,
0: and that's that's kind of what I was getting to. Yeah. But let's say you've got a relationship with somebody that's close. Maybe it's a spouse or a, a sibling or something like that, and. There has been a bridge burned. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But you, as the offender, feel, uh, feel like you have genuinely made the changes necessary. Um, how do you go about pursuing that forgiveness?
1: Well, forgiveness is a choice by the other person, right? right? So we have to know that if I've done something, I have the right to say yes and no to it. Now, I'm not responsible for how other people think, act, or behave. I am responsible for myself. And I can apologize and really genuinely want that person to forgive me, but my well-being is not determined by that. Right. And so I think it's just a, it's a, it's a level of maturity. It's understanding that, you know what, some people have the right to not be in my life. Mm-hmm. Some people have the right to not like me despite what I've done. Yeah. And I think it's, it hurts. It's very painful. It's very painful to feel rejected, especially when you know you're responsible right. for it and it's okay. your fault. But that's part of the maturity, and that's part of the healing is knowing that those people that you've hurt can, it's their choice to forgive you. Mm -hmm. It's not up to me.
0: One of the things that there's a big difference here with the word, like the word forgiveness, it's a very powerful word. It is. But it's misunderstood in a lot of ways. And because, you know, you could, you know, you could do something that offends me. And then you apologize and I say, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. But me saying, I forgive you doesn't mean that I say, I accept your apology or it doesn't mean that I say it's okay, which I think a lot of people use people that think word. They, in if
1: you say you place. forgive me, then I then I then it was okay that I acted that way. No, I think forgiveness needs to be I'm no longer going to carry the burden of that pain.
0: Yes. And to an extent, so if you talk about forgiveness from a biblical standpoint and what Christ died for us for, the imagine you are a criminal and you have a rap sheet a mile long. Mm-hmm. You've broken every law under the sun and you go before the judge and the judge says, I'm not going to punish you for these things. I am going to wipe the slate clean. And you now no longer have a criminal record. You you you're you're getting a fresh start. Wow, that's what that's what true forgiveness is from a Christian standpoint. It's as if the offense didn't occur. That is true forgiveness. And that it, is the in,
1: hardest thing for me as a therapist to get my clients to appreciate and yes. and, and practice.
0: Yes, I and, think that's
1: strong. That's the that's the one thing that the. I think that's the biggest problem that I have with addictions is that people can't, they have long memories.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a long memory. I mean, I have a long, I have forgiven my brother, but that doesn't mean I'm ever going to expose myself to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. Have I forgiven him? Probably in some ways I have some ways I haven't. And I think it's the long memory of knowing that at any time he has the ability to hurt me because that's how much I've loved I love him and I've allowed him into my life. Mm. What happens in marriages when there's been an addictive problem and there is that if you don't trust the other person to really be well, then aren't you constantly putting them in that position of, I don't know, you acted that way. The last time you did that, you were drinking. The last time you scared me like that, you know, you were out in the garage taking a drink. So. I just worry that sometimes you're right. I think forgiveness is, can be very short lived mm-hmm. because I don't think people take the whole list of things and erase them.
0: Yeah, and that's maybe where I'm. My nature is it's easier for me in a way because I have a a very short memory, okay. and one of the things from a sports standpoint, I had a great coach when I was in high school that basically said, you know, in baseball, you are going to make errors. It is part of the game. And if you carry that error with you, it will cause more errors to happen. So you have to have a short-term memory. So there have been times where somebody has done something that's upset me and I've forgiven them. And I'm, for whatever reason, depending on the offense or the grievance, I'm able to move on quickly and Mm -hmm. put that to where I don't, it's not a constant.
1: And that's a beautiful thing because that brings you peace of mind. It does. That's a beautiful place to be.
0: But I also know that there are people that are much more prone. To, so for my wife and I are... are. um Our examples is that Chloe, if she's mad at me, she can pull it's like she has a database (laughs) in her mind that she can pull from and cite specific instances and conversations, like Mm -hmm. down to the very word in some context. And I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday.
1: I'm the same way.
0: So for me, it's easier in that regard if she does something that pisses me off. It's in the moment.
1: Live can, in the moment.
0: Yes, I can put that to rest. Mm-hmm. So
1: it's a beautiful thing. I think that, and it's funny how two personalities come together in a marriage because it would be amazing if both of you had the same mindset. Right. But I mean, the reality is we do hold we. That's how our brain thinks. We're we have big computers in our head. Mm-hmm. I'm going to file that back in 1928. You know, whatever. I'm going to file that baby back there. But I think. I think what's lovely about relationships is that if that's the style that you know that you communicate with, then you're kind of be like, "Okay, let's bring it back to right here right now. I don't want you to keep judging me on past behaviors." I think that's one of the biggest things that and we talked about relationships a while ago that we just have to be more mindful in the in the present moment. But addictions, this is a tough topic. This leads to codependency. This leads to dependency. This leads to Toxic behaviors, this leads to lying and cheating and 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 just really hurting other people to get our needs met. We are selfish individuals. so addictions is the we just scratch the surface today. Like this yep. is a deep, deep topic that affects a lot of people because there are tons and tons and tons of addictions. And I think something you said that was brilliant early Lee, is that what I'm doing as a habit. I haven't seen as an addiction yet. Mm-hmm. That's the whole piece. It, that's the piece. That's, that's how we know it's become an addiction. When you see it as becoming an addictive problem, mm-hmm. when you see it as a problem and you recognize that it's interfering with the quality of those relationships you have, that's how we know it's become addictive. When it, it consumes your thinking in a way that stops you from functioning Period. You know, that's it.
0: Well, I think that's a great way to wrap it up right there.
1: (laughs) I know. Justin, I do appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being my therapist today. (laughs) Letting me talk about the hot topics I don't even know that are bothering me. But I love that Shellyville has um, grown and I do appreciate my subscribers. And again, you can reach out to me. We would love some show ideas. We do need some fresh ideas. you can reach me at ShellyVillepod at gmail.com. And if you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to me. And I'm here for you at any time. All right. Thanks for stopping in. Thanks for listening.